Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy, folks. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. God's grace and peace be unto you this marvelous day in Jesus' name. So glad you're here with us this day. Uh, we got a first today. Uh, it is an interview, uh, but it's not just any interview. Uh, it's an interview with someone who I interviewed previously on our podcast, none other than Pastor Darren Stid, sometimes famous, sometimes infamous, <laughs> but still Brother Darren Stid. Hey, brother, how you doing? Amen. I'm doing good, brother. I thought you were going to say it was the first time you interviewed somebody that was in the same house. But, brother, we're at an undisclosed location. Oh, yeah, that's we're right. In the bunker. We're you, in the underground you don't bunker. Want to let yeah. people know that you're in the same house with me. That's this, never good. That's why you keep telling me to get it together, man. I just keep. I'm <laughs> always telling you to get it together. Oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. So, bro. Man, you you uh you came down to Florida, man, suffering for Jesus. I know. I'm telling you, uh, they have this. I, my there's a lot of things I like about Florida, but the thing that I like the most is when I come down here, I notice there's this strange glowing ball in the sky that we don't have in Indiana this time of year. And uh, no, I, it's good to get some sunshine down here, man. And um, it's good for me, good for my health, and uh, really, really good to get to join American Reformation Church. That was a tremendous blessing. Yeah, awesome. Uh, whether uh, folks may n not know it or not, but uh, Pastor Darren, and we'll get into more of this story as we go through this uh, this interview, um, but he is act actually an active elder uh, at the American Reformation Church. And what we're working out in our schedule is right now he's in Indiana and uh, he's going through a transition there. He's turning the reins of a church over to another pastor. Uh, the church just voted on it. And, uh, and they're in the midst of that uh, transition. And so he still has some few things he has to get done tie up some loose ends in Indiana, but the goal is to move uh, in the next few months to come down to Florida. Meanwhile, we worked it out that Pastor Darren will come at least once a month uh, to minister at the American Reformation Church as an elder. And so we just had him in and uh, to kick off a new series, a new members class, a covenant community class uh, to uh, kind of prepare those who are committed to the American Reformation Church to kind of go further up and further in, cross the line of obedience, and let's make covenant with God and one another uh, as a church. And brother, so appreciate you coming in, and I know the Lord used you biblically to lay out the case uh, to be a member 
of a local body, a local church. So, bro, thanks so much, man. Amen. Absolutely. I was blessed to have the opportunity to do it. And, uh, you know, the sermon, um, I think the official title, it's on the YouTube channel, which um, we got uh, your son, Micah, is doing all that digital stuff. So praise God for him. Um, but if you look at if you look for American Reformation Church on YouTube, the sermon, all of a lot of past, not all of them, but a lot of Rusty's Pastor Rusty's sermons are there. And then the one that I just preached is there it was on the biblical case for church membership or the serious title is fine print, the fine print, uh, the fine print of church membership, I think is what it was. So, yeah, I was blessed to have the opportunity to come. And um, it was a, it was a good time. I'll tell you. Um, Micah, or not Micah, uh, Mariah and Josiah and Cassia, all those guys doing the worship at American Reformation Church was just a tremendous blessing. Um, and to be able to fellowship with the saints there was an anointed time, and it was just really good. So I was blessed to have the opportunity to be there. When I tell you what, brother, and the Lord, uh, I think, powerfully used you because, you know, brother, uh, let's, you know, let's be honest. The, you know, the things that we're bringing to the table um, is foreign, uh, to a lot of Christians, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in this current day that we live in, um, it's not foreign or new, obviously to the scriptures or even church history, uh, but it is to us. And, um, and so I know the things that we're bringing to the table, you know, people really do have to wrestle with, you know what I mean? They have to, you know, uh, really think through some things and, and, and really wrestle with God, uh, you know, biblically on, you know, what it takes uh, to be an active, you know, participating member of a local body of Christ. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought you did an excellent job to lay out that case biblically and and i know that a, a lot of the folks got things that they really do have to consider and weigh and seek the lord on and pray but we're hoping brother as we go through this process this next six to eight weeks whatever it may be where we're discussing the you know the covenant you know that god made with himself where he swore by himself you know there's no higher authority than he could swear by by himself. And then, of course, the covenants that God made with men at different times and and the, and the new covenant that God has made with his people, the church. And, and what are the requirements? What are the expectations? What are the mutual agreements that we need to make, you know, as elders in the body of Christ, as active members in the body of Christ? What does that relationship look like? What are the different re roles and responsibilities? And just lay that out, brother, uh, at a time where, you know, we're, we're pretty flighty, brother. You know what I mean? We, um, when the going gets tough, we kind of take off, you know, and, um, and we're looking for something more solid, more solidifying, you know, when it comes in our relationship with God and with one another. And I know, brother, the Lord used you to help kind of move that along. And so people can come to that biblical understanding and commit to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, brother. And I think, I mean, it is, it's a challenging thing in our culture. 
Um, I mean, it's, you know, you think of, when we think of church membership, right? And and that's an unusual concept in our culture, the idea that you would be a member of a church. But God deals covenantally. You talked about that already, you know. There's the uh, eternal covenant that he made with himself. You talked about that before the foundation of the universe. The covenant with Adam in the garden, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with uh, the covenant with with David, uh, the covenant with Moses, the Mosaic covenant, and then the new covenant. And God works covenantally, and covenants are things where are are there's agreement and commitment involved in covenant. And the same thing is true in human institutions that are that have been orchestrated by God, being things like marriage, family, and church and state. God has always orchestrated all of these human institutions that have been established by him to work covenantally. Each party has covenantal responsibilities. And if you think about it, the foundations have been broken in each one of those different spheres because of a lack of covenantal understanding. We don't understand the covenant of marriage. And so people come into marriage without willingness to commit themselves one to another. And the institution of marriage is crumbling. We don't understand covenant with regard to church and the covenant commitments we, are, we should have to one another as brothers and sisters that come together in a church body. And so the institution of the church is crumbling. We don't understand covenantal commitment with regard to the duties of the civil government and the duties of citizens in the civil government. And so the civil government is uh, is crumbling. And so this discussion, we're talking, we talked about church covenant yesterday, but this discussion of covenant and understanding what a covenant is and how it operates and how God governs the affairs of men covenantally, I think is going to be tremendously important and powerful for the church. And so we're going to spend a lot of weeks on it. I'm looking forward to hearing your sermons that are come out, going to come out of that as well. Yeah. Amen, brother. Well, we, we know, brother, our, you know, our, our first and foremost goal is, you know, to follow the Bible, you know, to build on the one solid foundation, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation upon which man can build anything of lasting value except for our Lord Jesus Christ. But there again, you know, the Apostle Paul said, be careful how you build Amen. upon that foundation. And this is where, you know, where we've been really challenging, you know, those who are committing to the vision and mission of American Reformation Church, you know, because, you know, we we as Christians, you know, we, we think a certain way, we believe a certain way, we act a certain way. And some of, some of it is not overtly sin, but the, the point of the matter is, um, do we take the time to hold up what we think what we believe and how we act in the light of scripture. Yeah. And we know, Darren, like most Christians, their, their worldview comes more from their family, you know, more from their education, you know, more from their political party system than thus saith the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're challenging those that are committing uh, to come to the American Reformation Church, you know, will you have the courage? Will you have the humility if you're thinking one thing and believing one thing and we're bringing you what the scriptures teach on that particular topic or subject, will you be willing to adjust? Will you be willing to 
to change because we are living in a time where this culture of death, this corrupt culture and government is demanding God and the Bible change, you know, to fit our lifestyle than what should be happening as the church, you know, disciples, men and nations, and to make sure, you know, they're obeying the commandments of God. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think, you know, we see it in the world. And like you said, we even see it in the church where a lot of times we just don't hold up our views regarding anything to the light of scripture. And some of that comes from weak, anemic preaching in the pulpit. Um, and then some of it just comes from a lack of study of God's word and the pews, you know, and so. Um, we need to we need to be more in God's word as both we need more of God's word coming from the preaching in the pulpit, and then we need Christians to be in the Word of God in their daily lives, reading it. That's why we have the the yearly Bible reading plan, right? American Reformation Church, Operation Save America, the Benham Brothers. A lot of us share this Bible reading plan, and there's hundreds and hundreds of people that that do this Bible reading plan together every year. And it's in part because we're trying to encourage Christians to be in the word. And the reality is, well, you just part of the reason that what you just said is true is people can't even hold what they believe up to the light of scripture because they don't even know what the scripture says. And so what, what we're trying to encourage people to think biblically about the church, about Christian life. And part of that is just open up the Bible, you know, and, and read it and understand what it says. And when we stand before the people in the pulpit on the Lord's Day, we believe that the scripture, the scripture is the the it is the sufficient word. It is the living, breathing word of God, used by the power of the Holy Spirit to direct the people of God. And so, it's so important, so so important. Absolutely, brother. And one of the things that we're really encouraging, especially when it comes to the Operation Save America Bible reading schedule, is for husbands and fathers to rebuild the family altar yeah. and to use that tool, you know, first to wash their wives with the water of the word as the scripture commands. And then of course, to raise their children in the fear and the admonishment of the Lord. And so, you know, we have, a, we're blessed to have a lot of young couples uh, coming to the American Reformation Church. And there's just starting in life, you know, starting their families, starting their businesses. And, and you know, and there, there's some go-getters in there. There are some hustlers, you know, they're yeah. working hard. They got a strong work ethic and we're very blessed and pleased to see that, uh, you know, as, as a part of the character of their life. But one of the things that we're challenging them, you know, it's good that you do this, but don't leave this other important aspect yeah. undone. Because because a lot of men, they're very strong on bringing home the bacon, but where a lot of men fail in the home and in their families is they're not um, actively involved in the spiritual and moral welfare of their family. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's where the enemy has gotten into the Christian home, you know, and, and has done a lot of damage, you know, where... You know, homes are out of order. You know, the the man has become the helpmate to the woman. The yep. woman is, you know, um, governing the home. You know, the man is spiritually, uh, you know, AWOL. 
and the children are just being devoured, right. you know, by the world and sin and the devil. And, and, uh, and so when we talk about the American Reformation Church and our vision and mission, brother, we want to remedy that. Yeah. You know, we want a whole Christian life system, a biblical worldview when it comes to every area of life. Yeah. And, and to lay that out. And, uh, and so a lot of these young couples, brother, it, it's, it's really interesting that they, they've, they sort of come into the kingdom for such a time as this, right? They're, they're at the bottom basement, you know, of building this vision and mission. And, and brother, we have this incredible, you know, opportunity to pour these truths into their lives. Amen. And, um, and so that they can do better yeah. than what we did, you know, when we were at their age. Yeah, and that, that is one of the big blessings uh, being in America. So this is my second time preaching in American Reformation Church yesterday. And to look out and see so many young couples with young children that are just seeking babies. Yeah, lots of babies. A lot of babies, yeah. And then there's a lot of like high school age young people. And one of the one of the blessings, it was good looking out and seeing all those young people, like the young families. But I'll tell you what, when I was preaching uh, yesterday – those high schoolers are dialed in. I mean, they were, they were paying attention, you know, they were, they were, they were hooked onto what I was saying and that was a tremendous blessing. But what you talked about is so important. You know, there's a whole, there are two, we're two generations now, or maybe three from the last time that it was a normal thing for the word of God to be opened in the home on the Lord's day. I remember when I was young, I was, you know, my wife and I got married, we were 18 years old. And we had our first kid by the time I was 20. So I was 19. She was 18. We had our first kid by the time I was 20. Uh, so I've been a dad. I'm 40. I've been a dad for 20 years now. And I remember hearing people talk about things like family worship. And it was just sort of becoming a thing to talk about again at that point with Vody Bauckham and some of those guys. And I was like, I just remember thinking, you know, my dad really wasn't a believer. You know, he there was not a lot of spiritual talk in our home. I had no idea how to do that. None at all whatsoever. And the reality is we have a generation, we have two generations or three generations of men who, when we talk about family worship or the, restoring the family altar or whatever, they have no idea what we're talking about. They have no idea what that would look like. They can't even visualize in their mind what it would look like. And the beautiful thing about something like the Bible reading plan, which is, uh, it's, it's a tool. The beautiful thing about it is you put it in the hands of a man and you say, listen, all you have to do is sit down with this, pray, open the Bible, and read the selected portions of the scripture. That's it. And you just start with that. You don't have to, there doesn't have to be some big idea of what it needs to look like. You don't have to be a great public speaker. You don't have to be a seminary trained theologian. You just got to sit down, read, pray, and open the scripture and read it to your children and just start with that and it'll grow from there. And, and that is a great valuable tool for equipping young fathers that have no idea what it means to be 
to lead their family in worship, you know? And uh, so that's, that's the beauty of the Bible reading plan. And it's the beauty. It's a big part of what, it's a big part of the mission and vision with American Reformation Church. A lot of people think about the stuff that we talk about with regard to advancing the kingdom and civil government and opposing abortion and LGBTQ and all that. And we are doing that. I mean, we, we believe that the scripture and Christianity presents a full orbed worldview that impacts every area of life. But a lot of it really is just simply, be a godly man, be a godly husband, be a godly father, be a godly mother, raise your children in discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's actually the starting point. The most important government is self-government, and that's kind of where we're trying to start at here. Amen. And, and it really does show the love of God, you know, shed abroad in a man's heart, because we got to remember our children, you know, they're not just temporary beings you know what i mean uh they'll be temporary in the sense that they'll only have a certain amount of time they'll be under our charge under our roof but these are eternal beings with eternal souls and a lot of times you know brother we we tend to you know really make most of the investment uh, you know investment into our family especially our children on the temporal level yeah you know we we want to educate them we we we, we want to give them different advantages in life so they'll be quote successful whatever that might mean right and for some that's going to college you know for some it's you know uh, obtaining a good career you know a fulfilling vocation and i'm not making light of those things um I, I know it's part of the american dream to a certain degree that's become the american nightmare yeah because of the debt you know we've incurred trying to you know fulfill that dream but the the point of the matter is you know we're making temporal investments for temporal reward and and as you know as long as we're here on this earth there's no, nothing sinful or wrong or evil uh, with doing that you know we, we should want our children to do well in life but what's really lacking brother is we're not thinking long term we're, we're not we're not making necessarily the eternal investment you know for the eternal reward especially when it comes to the souls of our children you know and you know wrestling with their will you know child rearing child training you know instructing them in the teaching of god's word instruction and in righteousness you know dealing with their sinful nature dealing with our own sinful nature as parents yeah. you know wrestling through these things you know and then the realization that you know as we take serious you know the plight of their eternal soul you know by investing the word of god uh, in their lives you know trusting that as we're training them up in the way they should go when they're old they're not going to depart from it and then of course darren how much time do we spend on our knees yeah. crying out to god you know you know, beseeching him, you know, to be merciful to our children, 
you know, yeah. to come and answer our prayers, to come alongside our children and say, kids, listen, yeah, your parents are not perfect. They got a feet of clay, but they loved you enough to, to give you my truth of, of the scriptures, you know, and I'm, I'm just here, yeah, you know, to, to, to affirm that in your life, in your soul. It's true. And of course, we know it's the truth uh, that can set them free, brother. And so as parents, you know, we really we haven't been doing parenting very well for the last few generations. Yeah. You know what I mean by that, brother, we we we've been pursuing other things at the expense of becoming good parents. It's like our priority system has been out of whack for a pretty long time, you know? And uh, I, I could tell you what, brother, if we can start making this investment in this generation to encourage parents, you know, be conscientious, be deliberate. You know, you, you wouldn't do a job, you know, if you, if you valued that job, you know, you would not approach it in a laissez-faire fashion yeah. or a lackadaisical attitude. No, you would want to work hard. You want to. You would want to do things excellently because you want to prosper. You want to be promoted, right? Yeah. You want to be valued for the contribution that you're making, right? Yeah. Not like we'll do that in other areas of life but what about our own marriages right yeah what about our wife what about our children yeah you know are we willing to be conscientious there are we willing to be deliberate there yeah. and that is something we are we are seriously investing you know at the church and so important brother yeah no i agree i think that's um so, so important. And a couple of different things you hit on there, I just want to reaffirm. One is prayer, because we talk a lot about family discipleship uh, and not enough. We should have more discussions about that. But even as little as we talk, I guess I should say, even as little as we talk about family worship, we talk even less about the importance of parents praying for their children. And um, I read a book um, by Ian Bounds on prayer, and I can't remember what it was called now, but um, and it was in one of He's the, the guy, brother. Oh, He's the guy. So much good stuff in that book. And one of the early chapters, he talks about parents praying for their children. And he said something that really struck me. He said, and I, it, this is not a direct quote, it's a paraphrase because I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of that praying for our children is the greatest gift we could possibly give them because when we say a prayer for our children, it goes before the throne of God's grace and it stays there even long after mm. our lives are over. It stays there. And mm. I was like, man, that is a beautiful reality that I had never really considered before. And so I, I spend time yeah, I spend time up in the night praying for my children. I pray for my children's spouses, you know, their future spouses. I pray for my grandchildren and my great grandchildren, you know, because I want I want to have that godly heritage of prayer. And there's a combination here of two things. And one is God sovereignly working his plan and his purpose. And the other is us having responsibility, us doing the things that he's called us to do. And one of the things he's called parents to do is to pray for their children. God uses that prayer as a means of accomplishing his, 
his purposes. And then, so that's, that's one thing that's so important, so needful and so forgotten. And then the other thing, when you talk, you were talking about discipleship, uh, something came to me as I was listening to you talk about that. Uh, there was a book that I read, which if you get to know me, like one of the things people in my church always laugh at me about is if you go talk to pastor Darren, he's going to give you a book to read. So, um, and, but there was a book that I read early on in um, my homeschooling. I got, I have nine kids and they're all homeschooled. Two are grown and out of the house and um, one's getting ready to get married here. Um, and then we're still in the process of homeschooling some, some of them. But this book really hit me and gave me some things to chew on and really impacted the way that I go about educating my children. And it is called... Um, it's called, oh, now I forget the name of it. It was by R.C. Sproul Jr. Um, and I, it's called When You Rise Up. And, um, you know, whatever else, you know, whatever else you think about R.C. Sproul Jr., this book is a really good book. What he lays out in the book, which is really brilliant, I mean, he's a Sproul, so he writes, you know, he writes very, very well. And in this book, R.C. Sproul Jr. lays out the case that, at the core of education for Christian parents is discipleship. What we're trying to do when we're educating our children is not help them pass an SAT, not help them become a cog in a wheel, not help them learn how to figure out how to accomplish these equations or that equation to the other thing. Really at the core of Christian education for Christian parents is discipleship. We're trying to raise our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We want them to learn to read so that they can read the scripture, right? We want them to, to learn to understand history so they can see what God is doing down through history. And so the worship of Christ and the discipleship and, and teaching our children to be worshipers of Christ you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of both knowledge and wisdom, the Proverbs teaches us. And so prayer and discipleship, like those are the keys to it when it comes to fatherhood and and, and uh, godly child rearing is praying for your children, recognizing that you you you're wholly dependent upon God in this in this enterprise called raising children, called parenthood. And then also discipleship, raising your children to know and to serve the Lord. That's what Christian parenthood is about. It's not about raising the next best scholar, you know, or the next best, you know, fill in the blank with whatever your big thing is. It's about raising children that are worshipers of Jesus and live their well, lives in service to his kingdom. What was interesting today too, brother, when we stopped for lunch and you asked Jubilee, you know, my, my youngest daughter, and I was actually very surprised by her answer. That was so but funny. you asked her if what she thought about the American Reformation Church. And she said something along the lines that she's getting a lot more out of my preaching and teaching uh, as a pastor, you know, and not just her dad. Yeah. And uh, I just thought, like you said, these are young people. I mean, she's 16 years old. She's gorgeous. She's got so much going for her. And to know that my youngest daughter is sitting there and taking these things in and, and meditating on them, pondering, and it's having impact. 
you know, in her soul. Yeah. And she's receiving it. You know what I mean? She's receiving it and she's glad to be receiving it. Yeah. Which, you know, brother, you can't pay a gazillion dollars, you know what I mean? To, to have that, you know, as, as, as the relationship between a, a father and his daughter, but also as a, as a pastor elder and, you know, one of your members of the church, you know, and that's an awesome thing. So bro, I think we're going to need to segue a little bit here. Oh yeah. Uh, Cause I want to get to some things about um, the past and also the future. When we, when we interviewed last time, brother, you were going through and you still are to a certain degree going through a very tough time. Um, you, you sustained a, a, a pretty brutal injury. Um, you, you, you really uh, damaged uh, your brain uh, with concussion after concussion after concussion. And it really set you back for a couple of years. And, uh, and we talked about how that injury like really kind of shut down what you were known for in the ministry, what, you know, what you excelled with in the ministry. It was your, your logic, your intelligence, your, your reasoning ability, you know, theology and doctrine and, and, uh, and, and no doubt, you know, God has used that. You're a very gifted preacher. And then all of a sudden, you know, this injury comes out of nowhere and it, knocks you for a loop and you kept injuring it and re-injuring it. It was like one step forward, three steps back, up and down, you know, in and out. And I know, brother, you spent a lot of time in darkness, a lot of time in seclusion. Uh, but it was also during that time, you, you got to know somebody pretty well. Yeah. In a way that you never knew him before, brother. So I just want you to touch a little bit on that. And then I want us to like share, like from that point on, what, what, what chain of events, what things brother has God done in your life that he's convinced you to do something that most people don't want to do, you know, and that is uproot, move your family, go to a, a strange area in a new place and basically start over again. So brother, catch us up brother from the time of, you know, God doing some, some different things in your life, revealing certain things to you and how you're going through this transition brother. And why do you believe that the Lord is leading you to do this? Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's all, as you say, it's a dark and stormy tale. Um, but, um, but, uh, it really is, uh, God has been so good to me. Um, and I guess, you know, the whole thing right before the brain injury, I had been sort of growing in this idea of communing with the Holy spirit and just spending time in worship before the Lord. And when I hit my, so what happened, I was spending a lot of time doing that and I was just growing in my walk with the Lord and I was growing in my relationship with the Spirit of God. And uh, when I hit my head in a certain way, as you were talking about just a minute ago, in a certain way, the brain injury expedited that. 
Um, and so, or I guess you would say magnified that. So mm. that all of a sudden I was just really struggling. There were parts of my memory that were just completely gone. Um, and the only thing that I really could remember is certain Bible verses that I had memorized. All of my study of theology and all that had gone by the wayside. Um, and I was really struggling. And the Spirit of God just drew near to me and just strengthened me and comforted me in ways that I really I can't describe. Um, and I really grew in prayer and I really grew in my my relationship with the Holy Spirit in that season. And so um, I think that sort of that's sort of what we talked about the last uh, the last time I was on. Yeah, it and, was sort of like uh, it was it, it it truly was like an Apostle Paul, you know, uh, deal where you know he said you know I'll rejoice in my infirmities and my weaknesses, you know, because when I am weak, you know, then God is strong. And we saw that, Darren. We saw that. Anybody involved with OSA, again, they always, they always received you, brother, as, as a gifted preacher. I mean, your ser sermons were always well thought out. You know, they were biblical. They were scriptural. You know, they were poignant. You know, everybody knew that God had given you the gift to preach. But there was something different, brother, after you went through that that trial of affliction in your brain, brother, there was, there was a sweetness of God's Holy spirit. There, there, your the anointing on your life. It just increased. It, it was like Darren gifted preacher on steroids. <laughs> you know, I mean, though, no, there was just a stronger unction of your spirit, brother. And everybody, recognized it like what in the world what happened to Darren? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. and and uh, yeah we knew that you got injured but what's this yeah you know, this yeah. is what's come out of this well that's awesome and that is and it, and, and, yeah. and it has been i i can't even i mean that's it i mean what you just described is and it was hard for me you know obviously it's hard walking through that um but the lord the spirit just increased. I mean, I, I guess that's the easiest way for me to say it. I mean, my knowledge of, or my, my, not my knowledge, but my, the presence of the spirit used the word unction before all this started. I didn't even know what that word meant. You know, um, I didn't, hadn't even bumped into it, you know? And, um, I, I, I never expected any of that through all of this, you know? Um, and, but when we go through suffering, when God allows us to go through suffering, you know, he, he permits suffering in our lives for a purpose. And uh, the Apostle Paul talks about, you talked about there, the Apostle Paul talks about the, the you know, there was a, a, a messenger of Satan sent to torment him three times. He asked that it be taken away. And God's answer was no every time, you know. And the reason why is because God was using that to produce weakness in him so that in that weakness, God could show his strength. And I relate to that a lot when it comes to Paul. I mean, in a certain sense, Paul was a towering intellect, you know, and I would not, I would not call myself a towering intellect. Um, but, you know, Paul was a towering intellect. I mean, he had a grasp on, 
you know, he, you know, you got him quoting Greek, you know, philosophers and he knew the scriptures inside and out. I mean, he was a brilliant, brilliant thinker and God saw fit to humble him and weaken him in order that the spirit of God may work more powerfully in him. And that's just a beautiful thing. And that's sort of what happened. And uh, people would say, you know, I would preach and people would say that was the most powerful sermon you'd ever preach. And I'd be like, uh, can I sit down while I'm talking to you? Cause, uh, you know, <laughs> I have the, the, you know, the spirit of God operates through you and it's just this amazing thing. You can't take any credit for it. You know, God just does it. And then you get done preaching and it's like, okay, now that that's over, my body's back to not working the way that it's supposed to, you know, again, <laughs> right. you know, right, right. So brother, real quick, we, we're kind of running out of time here and I'm sure hoping this thing is still working. Um, but brother, just get us up to date, brother, some you, you yeah. got some big, big things in front of you. If you could just briefly kind of summarize, brother, um, the Lord's dealings with you uh, to call you, you know, from Indiana to come to Florida. If we could just kind of give us a little update, brother, what's that what's that process been about? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was going to go into that a minute ago. I um I guess uh, um, here. So what happened is I was really struggling with brain injury. I kept hitting my head and I went to Georgia and um, I spent 11 days in Georgia. I think it was 11 days. And I was doing this sensory therapy that was supposed to help my brain. And the short version of the story is while I was going through all of that, um, the spirit of God just came to me and showed me that it was time for me to move on from Harmony and to come to Florida. And um, he did that. This is awkward for me to say. A lot of people that uh, this 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 audio. I thought when you told me we were going to do this uh, this interview, I thought and prayed about whether or not I was going to go into this because snippets of this will be shared around the internet and whispered about. Um, but that's okay. Um, what happened is I was laying on the table going through this uh, therapy. So the short version, what happens is for this therapy, you lay on the table, you look at this light that changes colors over time, and the table moves around and it's supposed to be opening up neurological pathways in your brain. And it wasn't really helping me very much. But the eighth day, the eighth or ninth day that I was going through this neurological training, I was laying on the table and I was just having it out with the Lord because we'd spent so much money on this therapy and it really wasn't helping very much. It was actually making it worse. My my symptoms were flared up. And I was laying there and I had a vision. And um, I had three visions that day. And in the course of those three visions, God made clear to me that he wanted me to, not just to come to American Reformation Church, but that he wanted me to go full time in the battle to advance the gospel of the kingdom and to oppose child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood. And um, coming to American Reformation Church is a key part of that. And so I had these three visions. Um, the first one uh, was just, you know, I, um, I'm trying to decide how much I want to go into this with the amount of time we have left here. So I had the first one was I go into this vision, which is something I've never experienced before, and I see this dragon on the side of a mountain. And there's all these people that are bringing their children to sacrifice them to this dragon. And God tells me, 
the voice tells me, there's a voice in my mind, and it tells me, your job is to go kill that dragon. Your job is to fight that dragon. Go kill it. And then I woke up, and I started praying. All right, Lord, I'm a concussion patient here. You know, I don't know exactly what's <laughs> happening here. Maybe I'm losing my mind, you know. If this, if this is from you, you're going to need to show me. So I had another vision. And then the second vision, there was a spider, big giant spider, like human-sized spider. And the voice said, what do you see? And I said, a spider. And then he said, look again. And I looked again, and the spider was a dragon. And I don't dream about dragons often, by the way, so this is very unusual. And the, the voice said, um, you have to, you got to go kill, you have to go kill this dragon because it destroys everything that it touches. And then that, that vision was over. And then I had a third vision and the third vision, there was a dragon and a woman. And this time the dragon was more of a human sized type of dragon. It wasn't a giant dragon. It was a humanoid. And the dragon looked at the woman and punched the, punched the woman through the heart and killed her. And the, the, mm. when I had the, heard the voice again, and the voice said, this is what the dra this dragon is doing, and you have to stop it. And then I woke up. And so I was praying. In between each one of those visions, I was praying that the Lord would show me if this was from him or if this was something else. And when I woke up, the, third, the Lord impressed upon me strongly that he was going to show me that it was from him. And when I woke up the third time, my brain was healed. All of the ringing was out of my ears. My eyes didn't hurt, which I'd just gone through this intense therapy that really kills your eyes for hours. My eyes didn't hurt at all. I was like a new person. As I jumped up off the table and Malachi, my son Malachi was there with me when I was just trying to just digest the fact that I didn't have any ringing in my ears. For the first time in two years, I didn't have any ringing in my ears. Wow. And so we go to Chick-fil-A to eat lunch and I'm just sitting there and I'm telling him about everything that's happening. Of course, you know, he's the Calvinistic, you know, son that I raised him to be, you know, so, you know, he's looking at me like maybe I might have lost my mind, but very encouraged too. like it encouraged me, you know, praising God. And so I call the guy that runs this place, this therapy place. And I say, I want to do, I think the Lord just healed me and I want you to retest me to see what happened. And so I go back in and he, that day, and he does retesting on me and my hearing had improved by 85 to 90% from when wow. I first came to then. And I said, is this, is this a therapy? And he said, it's not this, that this therapy is a very potent therapy. And it is a therapy that I believe in. He said, this therapy is a very potent therapy, but it takes time to work. And this is not from the therapy. This is the Lord. And so he's a Christian man. And so he said, this, this is the Lord. The Lord did this. And so um, God, God healed my brain. Now, and interestingly, in the healing of it, it didn't go exactly back the way that it was before. There were certain things that were different than before. And the brain is just like any other organ in the body. So even with full healing, you know, my, the neurological pathways are different and all kinds of stuff. I could go into that, but it was healed. No ringing in the ears, no pain in the eyes and so forth. And so now I've hit my head a couple of times since then, and I've had some mild setbacks in terms of a concussion symptoms, nothing close to what I had before. And I always recover very quickly when that happens, which is not something that you get with a person that's had the, the amount of concussions that I've had. So the Lord healed me is basically what happened. And it was a miraculous, spontaneous healing. And then the next day I had another set of visions, which I won't go into right now. 
but those were the things that really affirmed to me that I needed to come to American Reformation Church and that out of American Reformation Church, I need to do this um, itinerant evangelistic ministry, um, taking the gospel to the streets and opposing wickedness and the shedding of innocent blood and, and mobilizing the church to do the same. And so, so that is, that is what the Lord has done and what has brought me to the place that I'm at right now. So we praise God for his healing and uh, we're just trying to walk in faith and obey him in all that we do. Amen. Wow, brother. And I know that's a lot, brother, especially coming from, you know, your background and your life and your study and your service to the Lord. And um, I know that's way out of your comfort zone. And I, and I do realize, brother, sharing some of these things, um, some segments of the church uh, would not receive that anon with joy um, and would be very critical of you. Um, but what I'm grateful for, Darren, is you're losing your fear of man and your fear of pleasing man, you know. Um, and and I, I keep seeing, brother, that when you know it's the Lord, and, and you do weigh this stuff, brother. I know, I know, because you know, I've, I've been with you, and we've walked through a lot of things together. Yeah, This is not easy. People don't understand. This is not easy for you. You know, there's a lot of pressure to conform, you know. And then the Lord comes along, and he does some things that, you know, they're not natural. They're, they're, they're supernatural. You know, and, 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 and one of the things, and I, I got, you know, I'll just be honest with you, brother. One of the things I grieve about in the church of Jesus Christ is we have belittled, ignored, or even desire to remove all supernatural elements of Christianity. Yeah. You know, so that it's all cross your T's and dot your I's theologically and doctrinally and, you know, live our faith out through our intellect. And, and, and I get it, brother, you know, God tells us that we're to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, mind, you know, I'm not putting down the mind or, yeah. or, you know, promoting, you know, uh, you know, moronic, you know, less intelligent ways to love God or to serve God. But, you know, one of the things I truly long for, brother, is, and I'm praying that God would restore the supernatural element of Christianity. Amen. Uh, because I have learned in my walk with God, in my service with God, when God shows up, brother, the debate is over. Amen. Yeah, I mean, when he shows up in his power, in his presence, the debate is over. Yeah. You know, he's there. Yeah, I think and, it's, it's so much. Our theology has been so impacted by the materialistic worldview in our culture. And we're scared to death of the supernatural because we, you know, we don't have categories for it. The Bible gives us categories for it. You know, and, and I know there are counterfeits. I mean, and everybody's scared. No, there are, the brother. You know, yeah. 
There are, and everybody's concerned about exposing the counterfeits, and I think that's good. We should we should expose the counterfeits, yes, but we as Christians we have a supernatural worldview. The Bible teaches a supernatural worldview. We are not materialists. We are not naturalists. And God has really convicted me about that over the last year and really burned that out of me. Um, and then the, you talked about the fear of man because it's hard. You know, I mean, and it's not that. Yeah. I mean, these people that would disagree with what I'm saying, they're not bad people. You know, no. they, they're people that love me. They're people that genuinely care about me. Um, and so, you know, I mean, well, I'm sure there are some people that will have ill motive, but as a general rule, these people that I'm, the people that I'm concerned about hearing me say the things I've said today, they're not bad people. They're good people. They love the Lord. They're Christians. They're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is this materialistic bent in the church. There is this naturalistic bent in the church. And I think one of the things God has really impressed upon me and convicted me about, I had to repent of a lot of that. And I think, you know, I got to, we got to, we got to just, it's it's come time to take that on head on and to expose it and to, to um, confront it because as American culture gets more and more taken over with this pagan, which we haven't talked about this as much, but this pagan idolatrous worship, this, this, this naturalistic materialistic worldview within the church in America today, it's not going to cut it. And so this is so important. It's this is really, really important. And so No, it's you know. true, brother. And I, I, I and I've seen this with a lot of the brethren who did hold to that kind of materialistic worldview. But once they got involved in the battle, they yeah. came in contact with a lot of demonic activity, you know, a lot of evil and wickedness in high places. And and they, quite frankly, were not prepared for it, and they certainly didn't know how to respond to it. But what's interesting enough, because they are born again, and they do have Christ, you know, the hope of glory inside of them, it's it's like automatic. As soon as they're dealing with the demonic realm, like the number one thing that comes to their soul is, man, I need to get to know the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yep. That's you know, right. I, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, it, so in, in some ways, the pagan, idolatrous, demonic realm that this nation is being, you know, invaded by, it, it is to a certain degree causing a lot of Christians to reconsider this materialistic, you know, worldview of Christianity and the great need for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, you know, to be in our lives, Amen. you know, Amen. to fill us and to lead us and to guide us, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's pretty, pretty important. And it is happening. You're, you're Darren, in some ways, you're an example yeah you know of what the lord is doing in reviving sort of the supernatural elements of christianity in this day yeah and I, and i praise god for it brother but hey listen we're gonna have to to sign off here brother now it's saying recording failed to begin i don't know what that means brother and i oh, sure no. this is not <laughs> not in vain uh it's still saying it's uploading it's sending me all kinds of different signals, but 
prayerfully hopefully this is this is captured and we can pass it on but bro thanks so much man for taking the time and i and i want to say this publicly darren and hopefully this thing is recording you know i consider it a, a great um honor and a privilege I, I i am so glad brother that god brought you and your family uh into my life um and I, and I truly mean that brother and and i really do look forward um of being you know bound together in the love of christ and putting our hands together you know with the kingdom plow and you know moving forward with this vision and mission and 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 just being able to do life together brother and serve the lord together um it, it really does bring a blessing to my soul brother and i'm so glad that you're following through and and obeying uh, the call and really look forward brother uh to our time together amen brother well i've learned so much uh just the time that I've spent with you and I'm I'm so I'm so grateful that the Lord brought our families together and brought us together and looking forward to what he has to in the future so I really appreciate that brother thank you